0: The first lesson comes to us from Psalm 80, verses 1 through 2, and 8 through 19. (coughs) Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim. Shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. You brought a vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, it took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and it shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your countenance. But let your hand be upon the one at your right And the one whom you made strong for yourself, then we will never turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call your name. Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts. Let your face shine, that we may be saved. Amen. And from Luke 12, verses 49 to 56. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized. At what stress I am under until it's completed, do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No. I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two, and two against three, they will be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it's going to rain. So it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites! You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Amen. This is the Word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. If it were up to me, I would have struck these words from the Gospel of Luke. Really, where's the peace, love, harmony, and unity? In fact, one of of the reasons the lectionary is given to us pastors to use was not to skip over the challenging passages. The Prince of Peace has spoken. Pastors will, will tell you that PKs, or preacher's kids, have a tough time attending church and sometimes even believing They get to see the underbelly of church workings, the politics of the church, the dysfunction of the church family, and therefore want no part of it. With Joan and I working in the church, it's taken a while for a couple of our kids to begin the journey back to church. We are fortunate that the vision hasn't lasted very long, but I've seen the rebellion, the splits. The nastiness that occurs in some families just because of the church. Oh, and and don't think it's just PKs. I've seen plenty of families split apart because of church, of how the particular church worships what kind of programs they offer. I've seen church families split over theological differences, music programs, education programs, stained-glass windows, and even what Bible to use. In fact, Tim will tell you, Tim will tell you that as we started, he's there somewhere. He's- Hi, this is Tim, our music director. (laughs) I work with Tim every day, eight hours a day. Hi, Tim. Tim and I, we we started to look for hymns that went with this text. How many hymns do you think there were? None. None. There were none. Even Even the denomination didn't have matching hymns. So Tim and I chose some of our favorites. At least Tim and I didn't split over the hymns. So much for the Prince of Peace. And yet, if we just followed his teachings, his peace plan, yes, his his peace plan that he gave to us, we would find peace. The divinely fashioned peace that Jesus brings with him and bestows involves establishing the proper relationships of mercy, compassion, and justice between God and humanity. Not not everyone, however, wants to or or welcomes this divine peace plan. Hence the initiation of Jesus' peace agenda that also triggers contentious disunity and divisions among all facets of society, right down to the societal core of the household. The fact that such divisions include all genders, all statuses, all ages, reinforces Luke's understanding that all of us will respond either positively or negatively to God's agenda that's initiated in Jesus' mission and extended through the disciples' mission. This morning's text are harsh sayings. They're indictments resounding, resounding to us. And they remind us that Jesus has not come to validate the social realities and values that we humans have constructed such social facts and values tend to seek harmony that favors those who hold positions of power at the expense of those who are powerless and expendable. Jesus's mission, missional agenda of, of, of compassion, mercy, and justice shatters such a status quo. This missional agenda compels him toward his divine destiny to be accomplished in his death and resurrection. The plan, the plan, his plan will result in divisions and contentions on all levels of society, including the church. Oh, and the church is not immune to those divisions. Whether that they are embraced by bad people or repelled by what God is doing through Jesus, it's, it is the agenda that we are called to recognize in the present, in anticipation of God's future. You see, the plan causes us to reinterpret what God is truly about in the person of Jesus Christ, and to represent who we are and what we are about as disciples as disciples of Jesus. Notice that Jesus did not speak about the absence of war. In fact, Jesus' words show how totally consumed he is in the mission that he has come to accomplish. He can only accomplish his mission and ministry by a baptism of fire. A baptism in which he is consumed. A baptism of fire in which he is consumed. There is a significant difference between a fire that cleanses and a fire that incinerates. James and John envision the latter. Jesus intends for the former. A baptism baptism by by fire that Jesus calls down, is a fire that he takes upon himself, a baptism by fire about which he is stressed. He is stressed because it entails his own passion, his death, voluntarily endured, rather than a holocaust vindictively imposed. It is the Father's good pleasure to give the kingdom, But the cost of that gift is Jesus' own self-giving. It was and is the ultimate sacrifice. We celebrated that sacrifice at the table last week when he asked us to to remember. He asked us to remember not just, just on the first Sunday of every month, but of every moment of every day. And when we look at the remembrance and we remember those elements, we are reminded and we know what they mean to us and do for us. Every moment of our lives. I love Florida weather. I do, I love Florida weather. It changes every 10 minutes. I love it. I love it. I do. Everywhere I find, I, I am, I find myself looking up into the sky, into the sky. I survey the sky, and I can tell it's going to rain or storm. I can see the clouds forming off in the distance and say, yep, it's going to start raining in about 45 minutes. They're building, and especially when you go on the island. When you're on the island, you can look out over the mainland of Florida and you can see these humongous storms developing and watch the, just the majesty of them. Sometimes I, I hear the thunder and we will take the appropriate actions. Even, even two-year-old Hannah, even two-year-old Hannah knows about this. She's got this piece down right away. She hears the thunder or the sound of a distant truck and immediately calls for us to get out of the pool like a lifeguard and begins to pick up her toys and run to the porch. If I stay in my lounge chair next to the pool, she'll come over and say, and grab my swimsuit, Papa, Papa, it thunders, come in. I then will look at my app on my phone and see how far away the storm is and what direction it's headed and generally I take shelter in the, in the porch. Hannah's normally right. Humanity has all the apps, all the technology to interpret the weather. We can track storms and we know when it will be dry and sunny as well as rainy and cloudy. What the temperatures, the highs and the lows what the hourly temperature will be, what the precipitation will be, what the humidity will be, we know 15 days out. Classical moral theology distinguishes between vincible and invincible ignorance. Vincible, vincible ignorance, we are morally responsible to eliminate Failures to do so constitutes being culpable, culpable negligence. Invincible ignorance is beyond our control. That's the one where, well, I didn't know, and we don't. If the crowd whom Jesus addresses are involuntary or invincibly ignorant, they will not be held accountable for their failure to interpret the present time. They will be like the slave Jesus has described who does not know his master's wishes and receives minimal punishment. Notice, negligence is not totally excusable. But the, his inability to recognize what's required of him serves as a mitigating circumstance. The crowd, presumably, is, in, is invincibly ignorant. They have failed to take responsible care for learning from the rich and readily available tradition of the law and the prophets. They are thus like the slave who, in an attempt to avert punishment, said, oh, I didn't know... I didn't know you were coming or what you wanted me to do. Have you ever had one of your children do that to you? Of course you have. Such a claim, of course, is it's hypocritical. He and the, by implication, the, the crowd, do you, do you know the responsibility for knowing that, of which they are claiming ignorance? If Jesus is charging the crowd with vincible ignorance, Then they are like those who should know how to interpret the present time to say we had no idea is, as I look back, akin to the excuse of, well, bureaucratic servants at all levels of government who protested. How could we have known that the hurricane would strike with such a force? when for 10 days they'd been tracking the hurricane, they knew the force of that hurricane, they knew it building, they could see the eye of the storm growing and growing and growing, and yet they did nothing with the devastation wrought by Hurricane Katrina or any other disaster or tragedy that strikes us. They should have known. We should have known and we are morally responsible for the lack of knowledge and action. But I didn't know that would happen. How tragically and culpably foolish to act in light of what one knows concerning the patterns and signs of weather but to claim excusable ignorance concerning the evident patterns graceful manifestations, and warning signs of God's kingdom and the promise that God's make. Oh, my. Pastor, where's the love? Where's the peace, harmony, and unity? Do you hear the quietness? In calling the rich farmer fool and the negligent crowd hypocrites, Jesus does not engage in name calling. He names what is going on for exactly what it is. Jesus brings a peace plan that establishes the proper relationships of mercy, of compassion, and justice between God and humanity that inevitably, though though not surprisingly, provokes a sharp division, some sharp emotions, possibly divisions in families, churches, denominations, and the very soul of Christianity, to gain a hearing and understanding, to perhaps even get a wake-up call Jesus' harsh words are sometimes needed, which is exactly what the Prince of Peace has lifted up to us today. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and, of course, on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you, and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.